The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, stand up on your feet if you will. Second Kings chapter 2, reading from the King James Version tonight. You ready? Verse 23. We got any youth in the house? All right, good. Don't be offended. Come on, say amen. Amen. All right, that was pretty weak. <laughs> Second Kings 2, verse 23. And he went up from thence unto Bethel. And as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city. Now, uh, the new King James will say youths. So, uh, and which is, is probably a better, it's a better translation. It's youth. They're not, they're not little children. And you'll see there's, there's many of them. Came out of the city and mocked him, saying, go up, you bald head. Yes. Hey. <laughs> go up, you bald head. Yes. Go up, thou bald head. Yes. And he turned back and he looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Don't. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood yeah. and tear 42, mauled 42 of the youths. Well, let's go to Luke. I so appreciate you all coming tonight, hungry for God's word. What a beautiful thing. Luke 7, verse 1. Luke 7, verse 1. You ready? Now when he had concluded all of these sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard, what did he do? He heard about Jesus. He sent elders of the Jews to them, pleading with them to come and to heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. Verse 5. For he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far off from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself. For I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Verse 7. 
Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word. Everybody say, say the word. Say the word, and my servant will be healed. Verse 8. For I also am a man placed under authority. Notice he says also. Having soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servants, do this, and he does it. Verse 9. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Final verse. Verse 10. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. Father, tonight, as we have been just walking, flowing, attempting to flow in your spirit, I ask that you would give living understanding in the moments that remain in this service, that we would be forever changed, we would be transformed because of the preaching of your word, God's word, not out of an eloquence, but a demonstration of the spirit of God. Lord, that when we leave this place, we would have another level of anointing. We'd go deeper in you. We'd be fueled. Our faith would be encouraged. Yes. The enemy would be rebuked. The flies would be removed. Yes. God, you would have your way. Release all that's in your heart. If you have the freedom again to pray in the Holy Ghost, go ahead and do it. Hallelujah. We'll give you all the praise. Amen. You may be seated. The first text we read, 2 Kings 2, verse 23, the mantle, the, the double portion has been passed to the servant of Elijah. His name is Elisha. And he is walking into Bethel and youths, it's this children, but youth is better. Youths come out and they make fun of him. They, they mock him. You will find throughout scripture that mockers and scoffers are always removed before God does some great miracle. And it's, it's really, it's never tolerated around Jesus. He never raised anybody from the dead or did any kind of great, any great miracle when mockers and scoffers and unbelief is present. He usually rebukes them. He goes to raise the girl up from the dead and they, he says, she's asleep. She's not dead, she's asleep. And, and they laughed him to scorn. He said, you may leave. You may all go. They all go. And he raises her up and she says, dang, I'm hungry. You can read about great revivals of Smith Wigglesworth and different ones. He would say things like, I feel unbelief in the room. Why don't you leave? <laughs> oh, he was, he was hardcore. Don't model yourself after anybody but Jesus. Don't be trying to punch people to get a miracle. We had a guy that we were bringing to church for about three years. He'd constantly regress, beat his wife, go back on drugs. He'd walk with the Lord for about a week or two. Then he'd go back and do it again. I personally picked him up. I can't count the amount of times and drove him to church. I'm talking many years ago and not here. 
And he was just, you know, it's just like, man, when? <laughs> Dude. We had a, a time in the altar like we do here, and we had leaders come and pray like we do here, and I'll never forget it. He was over on the far side and he had his hands raised and one of my leaders was praying for him. And, and the leader's like, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I'm looking from over here. I'm looking from the pole. Like, What's he doing? And he's like, thank you. Wham! And just punches his spine. How many of you know that's bad? The brother who continued to backslide even for the rest of his life. I just saw him again about four years ago. Same thing happening. It's 20 years of the same thing. He fell to the ground with a string of curses coming out of his mouth. It kind of interrupted the place. Um, you know, we don't teach. <laughs> How many of you know he wasn't paying attention in the mentoring class? <laughs> He was reading The Wigglesworth Method, and, uh, and great book. And he was getting up at 3 in the morning contending for miracles. Were you in that service, Mom? I think you were. Anyway, memories. Memories. <laughs> of course, I counseled the guy on the ground who's like crying. Why did, the, why did the man of God hit me? Why did he hit me? Why did he hit me? I said, I'm not sure. I'll find out, but I'm really sorry. Let me pray for you. And... And, uh, and I, I took the leader in the back. I'm like, what in God's name are you thinking? What are you thinking? He's like, I don't know. And he's crying. <laughs> he's so disturbed. He's crying. He's like, Pastor, we've been ministering to him for years. I'm like, I know, bro. He's like, and I just, nothing else worked. And, <laughs> and I said to him, he said, nothing else worked. And I said, what are you punching him? He says, I'm reading this book on Wigglesworth. And he would punch people and kick babies and stuff. And I said, yeah, but they all got healed. You know, if he hit the ground and a string of cursing wasn't coming at me, you know, maybe it was the Lord. Anyway, if you have a thought about punching somebody for Jesus, it's not Jesus. Usually there are some exceptions. Oh, yeah. Come breaking into my world, try to touch my family, you will be punched. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah with a fresh anointing. I'll be putting some lead downrange. Somebody say amen. But that is a last resort. You want to be yourself. But no matter who you are and your personality, you have to learn to honor the move of God. You have to learn to teach your kids to honor the move of God. You know, we don't allow kids to run up on the platform. So if you have children that do that, you want to stop them before we need to help you. And we do it sweet and graciously. I mean, you know, it's church culture. The reason, the reason we don't allow kids to just run around and go crazy, first of all, there's equipment up here that costs a lot, but that's the least of it. The most of it is this. This is a place where the worship goes to the throne. And pulpits, they're not holy in and of themselves, but we honor this because the word of God comes forth. And when you teach your kids to be an Uzzah, how many of you know what that means? You teach your kids not to reverence God, then what happens is they will then, they will then 
end up being not unlike the youth in 2 Kings 23. 2 Kings 2, verse 23. There's not an awe and a respect. Very dangerous to raise children in this house. Let me, let me define that. You have to as a parent by raising children in this house. See, I don't think it's the most anointed place in the world. I mean, I'd be arrogant to say, but God certainly is doing something here. And when you don't teach your kids to reverence the move of God, then, you know, I think children could be on an iPad, but, but for God's sake, you start getting 11 and 12 years old, you ought to teach them to take some notes, pay attention a little bit instead of get off of Facebook and shouldn't even be on. You can't have a Facebook unless you're 13. So many of you breaking the law. That's a fly in your ointment right there. I don't know why you're justifying it. I don't know how you can justify that. I mean, it says right there, you're signing the agreement. Should we move on? You sign the agreement. Oh yeah, I'm 13. Yep, they're 13. You do it for them or whatever. It's illegal. I think it's still, is that right? I got the 13, right? Am I right? Is it 16? It might be 16. Go look. Anyway, you need to teach your kids to reverence the move of God. You need to learn to reverence. We all need to go to the next level of the fear of the Lord. When an altar call is given and people are getting saved, don't you get your tail out of your seat. Don't be a distraction. I've seen people getting saved sitting right next to somebody who doesn't care. Or they're distracted. It's not that they don't care. Trying to be kind. Pastor Karen, pray for me. It's not that they don't care. They're just distracted and, you know, maybe they lost their fire a little bit and and they're, you know, thinking about, man, I got to run and get the sandwiches and I got all this work to do. And, you know, it becomes a routine. Church can become a routine. It's very dangerous if it just becomes a routine. It's like when you got to get on the airplane now. When I get on the airplane, I just do the same thing every time I get on the airplane. Yeah, I just go and get on the airplane. Just before I get on, I go, Lord, still want me on it? Thank you, Jesus. I tap the back, top, the top of it, anoint it. I anoint the plane before I get on. I get on. Thank you, Lord. Say hi to the people. Get on. Hi. They go find my seat, do my headphones, sit down. Boom. I'm on my phone listening to some worship, answering texts, doing emails. And it's just like, you know, sometimes I'm so tired, I'm asleep, but then I wake up on mid-flight. I'm on an airplane. You ever seen somebody ride the airplane for the first time? They don't lost their mind. They're running to the front. If they're a little kid, they want to get the little wings and they're just like, oh, can I see the cockpit? Oh, I want to see the cockpit. Do you know that's how it should be for us in church? That every time, ooh, 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 what's going to happen? What's going to happen? An anticipation will be a, a seed bed for miracles. And many times we don't teach our kids that. And, and we don't cultivate in our own hearts. And there ends up being a mocking. I, I've seen people mock the, the, the move of the Spirit. Man, years ago at the Brownsville Revival, took a group of people to, from his church to go see if it was a move of God. How many of you ever heard of the Brownsville Revival? Went there, the altar flooded with hundreds and hundreds of people, people shaking, people crying, people weeping, a genuine outpouring of the Spirit that took place. Happened on Father's Day in 1995, and it went on for some, I don't know, seven years, I think, something like that. Millions of people got touched at the Brownsville Revival. Some of you might have gone. This pastor went and took some of his board members and took some people from the church to go see the revival. They go to the revival. They come back. They all get in the van. Pastor's real quiet. This is a true story. Pastor's real quiet and sits down in the van, and they all get in, and it's quiet. He doesn't start the vehicle yet. 
One of the board members says, hey, pastor. He's like, yeah. What do you think of all that? He says, what do I think? What do I think? What do I think of all that? All that shaking that you're talking about? Yeah, the shaking and, you know, all else, some strange stuff happened there. What do you think of all that? And he says, shaking. I can do that. I can shake. And he grabs the steering wheel and he, and he starts starts shaking himself like this. And he says, oh, I, I, I could do that. Uh, ooh, oh, oh, oh. And then instantly, in a moment, it's like somebody struck him dead, but he didn't die. And he opens a door, falls out of his van on the floor, on the concrete in the parking lot of the Brownsville Revival, on his knees, weeping, saying, oh God, I'm sorry. Oh God, I'm sorry. Because he stepped out into a place of mocking. Listen, don't you mock what you don't understand. If you're raised in some conservative church, well, praise the Lord. If you've never seen a move of God, you know, may, may God come and shake us all. Yeah. I got a word, Haggai, this week. He's going to shake what can be shaken so that what remains of him, the silver is his, the gold is his. Listen, if you'll invite him, if you'll get hungry, you'll get the flies out, you'll get rid of that mocking spirit you have, that critical spirit, and just zip it and get hungry for God, then he might just come and shake what can be shaken, set your husband free, set your wife free, set your kids free. But there, there has to come a reverence and an awe. These youth in, in 2 Kings 2, verse 23, had no fear of the Lord. They knew he was a prophet. I'll tell you how they knew. They knew because of the garments he was wearing and his seriously cool bald head. Come on, brother. Give some stuff. Look at the glory. Come here. You want to see the glory? Watch this. Here you go. Look at that. Look at the glory. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> we went to Luke and uh, chapter 7. And here we see something completely opposite. We see this centurion. He's, in, he's a Gentile. And he comes. He, he doesn't even come himself. He, he sends somebody because he's, he's not worthy. He doesn't count himself worthy in this text. And it says that, that he heard about Jesus. Let me, let me give you in the next uh, 10 minutes and then maybe we'll be done. We'll hold hands and stuff after that. <laughs> he comes to Jesus and exhibits some most amazing display. In fact, Jesus marveled at his faith. And we learn from him not only awe and respect, but we learn something about the Word of God that can really help us. See, many people don't reverence and awe and respect God's Word. It was an interesting thing happened. Um, uh, we, had a, we had some giveaway stuff that needed to, go, needed to go to the giveaway place at the house. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, you gotta purge. Amen. Yeah. So we had, a, we had some stuff that we were purging. And it got somehow, I'm sure it was my fault, it got left in the rain. And it all got ruined. And, and, and there was books and different things in there. And, um, and so I moved in. I thought, well, we'll let them dry it out. And, and, and you know, I got busy and whatever. I'm, I failed. So, so now I have a bag of rotten junk, right? And that's what I got. <laughs> 
So the bag then breaks in the back of the, the back of the truck, and so now now it just looks like it looks like it doesn't look good. And I will never forget opening that bag. And, uh, and, and, you know, the, the stuff's in the truck. It's kind of getting some of the junk out. And, you know, I got to take it to the dump. And I'm thinking, oh, God, please, please don't let there be a Bible in here. Please don't let there be a Bible in here. And I looked through and I looked through. I'm like, oh, thank God. And I thought to myself, where did the, I thought about that after. And I thought, where did that come from? He said, what's the big deal if there's a Bible? Do you know people, people will die for their Bibles in China. They will die for a few pages that they, they share pages in some places. So my wife says to me, I saw a Bible in the back of the truck. It was with all that junk. I said, no, you didn't. She said, yeah, I didn't. I'm like, no, you didn't. Oh God, I hope she didn't. Oh Jesus, because you know, men can't see anyway. You know what I'm talking about? But that can be a gift. <laughs> Do not ever send a man to go find something in the fridge because he just can't see it. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'm just like. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding you. I mean, I, I will take hold. I'll go like first shelf. And I'll go da, 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 all the way to the back. Definitely not there. Second shelf. You know, and, I, and sure enough. I'm like, I can't, it's not in there. She's like, okay. She goes, she gets, I'm like, what in Sam Hill? Jesus, help me out. <laughs> Sam Hill, you don't know who Sam Hill is? It's not a curse. You get a hold of yourself. <laughs> we don't do that here. We might punch people occasionally, but we don't. <laughs> we don't punch people either, mostly. <laughs> what are we talking about? No, we're not talking about Sam Hill. We're talking about faith. And we're talking about rebellion. And we're talking about authority. And we're talking about having an understanding of the working of the power of the Spirit of God. And about having a reverence over the Word of God. So my wife says, yeah, yeah, there's a Bible in there. I was like, no, there isn't. But in my mind, I'm going, Jesus, please. <laughs> please, I please. I'm going to be so grieved if there's a Bible. And I'm starting to think, if there's a Bible, I'm going to have to do something like send Bibles to China or I, I don't know. So she says, yeah, no, it's a Precious Moments Bible. I saw it. I'm like, I'm, I'm just can't believe it. But she was wrong. For the first time in her whole life, she was wrong. There was no Bible in there. <laughs> Let the Word of God be precious to you. You see, the, the, the real question is, in my next few moments... Pastor Alex, would you come and make heaven come out of the keyboard? The real question is, who is your authority? That's the question. Who is the ultimate authority in your life? Is the government the ultimate authority in your life? No, no. Not for me. Oh, we'll obey the laws of the land. Mostly. Eight, you're out the gate. Nine, you're mine. I speed just a little bit. But, but I obey the laws of the land. There's realms of authority. And if you can't submit to structural authority, here's a quote from Dr. Morocco. You'll see it in different places. I've heard it all my life. 
You've been in the church your whole life? Yeah, because I was dead before I got here. If you can't submit to structural authority, then you've not submitted to God. And I know people. I've known folks not like the centurion. I've known them. They come, they got all kinds of ideas. They got all kinds of presuppositions about what has to happen and all this stuff. I've had people pull me aside over the years and say, Pastor, I want you to mentor me. I want you to disciple me. I'm like, okay, okay, great. And then I just quote Dr. Morocco again. I'll see you at morning prayer. See you at morning prayer. All right, well, I can't. I'm driving to Anchorage. Okay, well, I'll see you. I'll see you in church and we'll see you at the different things. And you start, you start learning, you start growing, you start learning, you start growing. And they said, well, I, after a period of time, I've had, I mean, one man stands out to me. It's sad, really. He says, my life's in shambles, and it has been, and I, I can't figure out why, and, and, and would you help me? I said, yeah, you come to church, you serve God with your hair on fire here, and, and I'll try to help you. And, and he did, and then he'd be gone, and then he'd be back. And then we would send our connect folks and pastoral care team, follow up, be back. Boom, be gone. Boom, be back. And I remember he said, I want to be a leader. I said, okay. He said, but I, but I know there's maybe some things that, that might be in the way. I said, well, like what? And he started listing the different things that might be in the way. And he was right. And then there were some other things that I felt like the Lord said, okay, look, I'm not gonna pull any punches with you. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you what I see. Here's what I see, boom. And I shared it with him. And he said, who do you think you are to be able to speak like that to me? I said, dude, it's true. He said, well, you, you don't have to tell me. I said, you just asked me, you invited me to, so I told you truth. He said, well, you've hurt my feelings. I said, well, y'all just, you need to get over it. Or you can have a broken life. So what do you want to have? You know, praise God for wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. And if you surround your people that just agree with your stuff and that you don't stink and you don't have any flies and you don't have, and then you can leave a mediocre, half-hearted, broken life all your life. Or you can submit to authority. There's church authority, governmental authority. There's, there's authority in the family, right? Right? Your employer is an authority. Yes. You don't have to, you can choose who you submit under. You can move to another country and not submit to the laws of the United States of America. You don't like it here? Move. Yes. Go find yourself some other country, see how you like it. You might want to hold on to your passport and see if you can move back. You'll find it's probably one of the greatest nations in the world. Still. Yet. Still. We're going to keep it that way because we're going to have revival. Not all churches are healthy. There's a lot of leaders that are not healthy. So how do you know which one they are? How how do you know what's healthy, what's not healthy? You you go and you you watch. You see how... I'll tell you what. I don't even get myself in trouble, but Pastor Karen's not here, so we'll go for it. My mom's over there, so I'm going to move over here. If you take a look at a pastor's wife, now there are pastors, we believe in women in ministry too. That's not everybody we do, and I can prove it to you in scripture. And if you don't like that, you can go to another church. But that's okay. We love you. Go somewhere else if you want to. Is that okay? If you don't like that, you can go to another church. Praise God. 
And we're not here for a popularity context. We have deep convictions about what we do. We don't just do things, flip willy-nilly because we just feel like we want to do it. It's based in Scripture. We see it in Scripture. We can stand upon that. And we'll all stand before the Lord to give an account, right? So there's men pastors. There's women pastors. Many times, if you, if you see, we talk about seeing a healthy leader, a healthy church, because you don't want to submit to broken, controlling, manipulative, lust-filled, demonized leaders. And you can look and examine their life. And you should. Are you telling me we should examine your life? I hope to God you are examining my life. What do you mean by that? Just how we live. How we, how we live. You, you look at a pastor's wife, or you look at a, or the husband, whatever. You, you, you look, and if you see, there's seasons of grieving and all that, but you see like brokenness and something fractured in their marriage, I'm telling you something's wrong. I don't care what anybody says. You know, they taught, they, they, they teach in seminary. Did I say 10 minutes? They teach in seminary that, you know, you should never be, don't be affectionate. You know, you want too much affection with your, that is the stupidest thing I ever heard. It's a beautiful thing to see you guys holding hands. I'm not going to look at you and go, yeah. No, come here, come here. Come on, come here, come here, both of y'all. All right, just put your arm around your wife. Just, just look at, here, look at the people. You got to both look at me. Ain't no kissing now. Settle down. Settle down. God's sake, did you just kiss me? No, I'm just kidding. It's natural, I'm sorry. It's natural. Well, isn't that a revelation? It's natural. Listen, if you don't like kissing your husband, you don't like kissing your wife, you need healing. And if you haven't done more than that, you need healing. There's kids here. You, you tracking me. You tracking with me? This is righteous, man. And I will tell you something. A whole world leads to see a husband loving his wife and a wife loving her husband in right order and affection with kids and all that. If you don't see that, oh, 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 you want to get in on, oh, yeah. It's not in the water, bro. Just telling you. You don't have to submit under broken despots. Watch how things are done in the church. Watch whether the people, the, the, the pastor, leaders keep their word. Watch, watch how, they, how they respond to challenges, confrontation. Watch all of that. That, dis, that puts on display healthy leadership or sick leadership. And I'll tell you that sick disciples make sick disciples. Say, are you healed and healthy? I am. He's still working on me. Don't trip. Don't be tripping. Jesus is still working on me. Amen. He's still working on you too. You learn submission to God's authority by submitting to structural authority that he has put in place. 
And if you're bucking that all the time, don't tell me you're submitted to God. I've had so many people that bump one church, go to another church, pop around, go here, go there. They never really grow, never really establish roots. And it's usually because they're so wounded and so hurt from people that have backstabbed them. You know, one of the one of the things we see in ministry, I love pastors and I love pastors, um, their marriages and the kids and families. I love them. I mean, I really do. I, and we have a whole bunch of pastors here that former pastors here. One of the reasons pastors wives are so hurting is because they get backstabbed so many times. And, and women, y'all know women can be mean. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. And all the men don't say anything right now. <laughs> Women can be mean. They can be cut. Not, not here. It's not that things haven't happened. Of course things have. Welcome to humanity. Welcome to, being, welcome, welcome to the ministry. Praise God. You're going to get hurt. Suck it up. Buttercup. Get a hold of Jesus. He ain't doing it for people anyway. If you're doing it for people, better quit now. <laughs> I love when I don't give you notes because I don't have to do anything. I don't have to really go anywhere. I'm almost done. I'm talking about submitting to authority and submitting to God. (coughs) Excuse me. Praise break. All right. Amen. We might keep that after I get older over my, my cough here. Be healed. I know what that's like. Be healed, Mark. Mary. Amen. The centurion heard that Jesus was coming. Somebody witnessed to him. Somebody told him. Somebody, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. He had this faith that caused Jesus to marvel. Jesus marveled twice. Once at his faith, another time at at, at unbelief, he marveled. I mean, we don't usually use that word like marvel comics we use, but that's not that kind of marvel. It's like, whoa, whoa, such great faith. And the centurion says, basically, I'm a man under a thought. I am a man also under authority. It says he understood that Jesus, fully God, fully man, was under the authority of the Father. Somehow he had figured that out. I'm a man also under authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to this one, come, and he comes. I say to this servant, blah, blah, blah. He was a centurion. He was over over 100 soldiers. And so a Roman centurion, which were known for their perversion, known for their godlessness, known for their, their hatred. But this guy's different. His, his faith was exhibited in building a synagogue. He took care of uh, Jews. And he loved his servant. A servant was like a slave. They, 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 they were like, this servant's a part of his family. It's very different. And he he hears about Jesus and he responds and he says through someone else in this text through someone else he says just say it he had a revelation of the authority of God's word what is true to you who's the ultimate authority in your life who is the ultimate authority if you say it's God's word then you're living it Now, if you don't know God's word on that topic, well, that's part of your growth and part of your sanctification. You grow. 
But when you know God's word over circumstances, over a situation, and you choose something else, don't tell me you're submitted to God. Don't be, and you won't have God, you won't have biblical results. You won't have them. You won't have that. Is Jesus going to be, will Jesus marvel at your faith right now? Is he marveling that you take his word and you're like, boom, I'm going to stand on this thing. Does he marvel at that? Or is he, or is he amazed? Is he marveling at your lack of faith and unbelief? I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to empower you. I'm trying to tell you, if you want God results, get the word, stand on it. Get in it like a howitzer, mow down every piece of opposition, stand on it. God, you said, God, you said, God, you said. Be dogged, unrelenting. Don't turn to the right or the left. Stand on his word. Come on, Peter could walk on water when Jesus called him out of the boat. He said, come, Peter, bid me to come. He says, come, Peter, and he walked on the water. Why? Because the one who made the water said he could do it, and that's why it happened. If you'll get a hold of the authority of God's word in your life, you'll submit to structural authority and learn to see the authority of God flow through you, you will see a release of God's power that you've never seen before. But many people want to have excuses. No, no, can't do that. Oh, no, I don't believe that. Oh, no, it wasn't really a, a fish that the boy brought. It was a whale. And so that's why they fed, you know, 5,000 people. Your perception of Jesus, your perception of God's word, everything see if you perceive me in such a way that you don't respect me find another church I would encourage you to work it out first that's maturity as soon as you lose respect for somebody they can no longer minister to you so there needs to be respect and honor see out of respect and honor flows life honor your father and mother have a long life dishonor mom and dad have a short one Honor, respect, and understanding of authority of God's word will release God's power and anointing in your life. And so when you come and you face an opposition, you face a challenge, you face an army that's vast and you don't know what to do, but you know that God called you, then you stand before that thing and you decree and you proclaim and you see the battle turn at the gate. God called you to do it. He'll anoint you all the way through it, bringing about his results. You'll see, you'll see a thousand may fall at your right side, 10,000 at your left, but it'll not come nigh your dwelling come on you might you might the enemy might spray fear on you that's what he does he puts fear on you like a skunk sprays stink the enemy will spray fear just right before your breakthrough right before you're about to walk into the promised God promised land right before he'll just be like and you'd be like oh what if I'm confused oh oh fear banish that thing know what God's word is submit to it change the way that you think change the way that you think Take your Bible off the toilet tank. I don't think that's a good, that's a word for someone in here. Isn't that crazy? Did I say that? <laughs> that's crazy. That's like a word of knowledge. Maybe for a few of you, you got a Bible sitting on your toilet tank. 
toilets for something else. Put the Bible somewhere else. You know, oh, you're about John. People died for that book. We've got, I don't know how many. I've got, I don't know. I might have 50 Bibles. We put it on the toilet tank. Jim Jewett. Anybody know him? I'll close with this. It's your dad. Jim Jewett told me a story where he was reading his Bible, smoking his pipe. He was a pipe smoker for a long time, right? He was a pipe smoker for a long time. I'm going over here. (laughs) And uh, he was smoking his pipe and reading the word, and some ashes popped out of the pipe and landed on the page, and it burned it. Burned his Bible. And he said, the Lord spoke to him and said, is that how you treat my word? He instantly quit smoking from what I recall. If this is, you might recall something different. is how I recall it. He's a welder and quit smoking pipe right away. Listen, if you don't reverence God's word, you know how you reverence it. It's how you treat it. I'm not talking about how you treat a nice little leather book. I'm talking about whether you live it. When it's, when it's red, when it's red, do you stop? Do, do, do you stop? You should stop talking when the word of God is read. When altar calls, that's when, when, when fruits come in, lives are being saved. Do, do, do you just take pause from your, from your Twitter feed right now? When it's preached. I love what Jonathan Shuttlesworth did in one of our services and I don't remember who it is and so that's why I can just talk about it I have no idea so excuse me am I interrupting you am I interrupting you you just walk willy nilly it's got to go wherever they want in the church walk around go to the bathroom right at like an anointed altar call and the people next to you how many think it's probably possible, there are some exceptions, probably possible you could, your bladder could just hold on just a couple minutes more so the person next to you could maybe give their heart to Jesus instead of get up and go to the bathroom themselves maybe or get distracted. We need to move to the next place of awe, reverence. We need to move to the next place of honor. Start, men, open doors for your wives. Women, Just smile and wave. (laughs) Do whatever else the Bible tells you. (laughs) Do you operate in the authority that God's given you? Do you, I'm almost done, do you operate in the authority that God has given you? See, if you operate in the authority that God has given you in his word, you will see miracles, you will see signs and wonders, you will see, disp- you will see release of provision, the blind to see. If you, if you operate in the authority of God's word. Now, if you got flies, you won't operate in the authority of God's word because you're convicted and you know that you've got something that you've got to get rid of. Behold, I give you authority, Luke 10, 19, to trample. Come on, God's authority, you to, giving you authority to trample. Matthew 28, 18, 
All authority. All what? All authority. You've got authority. I have seen so many breakthroughs when I just stood up and said, no. I was, I, was, I was in a counseling time. We have counseled this couple. Their marriage is over. It's over. And for biblical reasons, it's over. Except the one who had, was a victim, let me just say it that way, was willing to, was willing to, um, to bring the healing. The one who did the crime wasn't. They had been through counseling, counseling centers, all kinds of stuff. In my, in my, in my office, sitting there with my wife and I, and it's like, it's over. We've done everything we can, and it's over. And so we just bowed our heads, and I just started crying. Well, I almost said it. I sat there and I said, well, I'm thinking, and you're just gonna get divorced. That's the next words I have. I said, well, I just couldn't say it, man. I'm sitting there. I started praying in the spirit and I started hearing this. All I heard was, no. It got a little louder. No. And I thought, no. And so I just I decided to say it. It's not a counseling technique. <laughs> and I sat there, everybody's crying. Divorce is the next thing to say, but all I hear is no. And I said, uh, no. When I said no, it was like, it was like a jolt of electricity went through the room. And I felt that. I was like, I said, no. And I thought, boom. I thought, hmm, let's try that again. No. No. And I said, I said no. And can I tell you, it was like the devil got his butt kicked, blown straight off of both. I'm, I'm telling you, the power God fell. They started weeping and crying. They started weeping and crying. They fell into each other's arms of repentance. They got healed. They're married today. They're serving the Lord today. Come on. That's called authority. You have authority. Some of you need to say no. Some of you need to rise up. Come on, stand up on your feet. Rise up in your God-given blood-bought right and begin to put your pointy little prophetic finger in the things that are violating your home, the things that are overrunning you, and command it to be driven out. Speak to your body. Be healed. What does God's Word say over the situation, over the circumstances? Stand on that thing and beat the fool out of anything else. If it doesn't line up, then you just ain't done praying yet. If it isn't, if it isn't finished, it doesn't come through, it's shouting and victory, then you're just not done declaring the authority of God's word. But most people don't live that way because when it doesn't happen in the first 15 seconds, they go, because God doesn't love me. What are you kidding? The devil hates your guts. And so you got to get some gumption. You know what that is? That's not a curse either. Need to get some gumption, man. Get some fire. Get some zeal. Get some passion. Get the flies out. Get some anointing. Get some power. Come and get some. Get some anointing. Get some. Get some zeal from the house of the Lord. Understand what God's word says over that thing and wield it. Pull out the sword of the Spirit of God, sharper and living and active, more than, more than any other two-edged sword, and begin to cut heads off.
just pull a brave heart Holy Ghost thing and just, just slaughter the enemy. And it's not a person we were not against flesh and blood. You don't have to tolerate depression. You don't have to tolerate these things anymore. Rise up. Stop arguing what I'm telling you right now. Yeah, but, but, goats, but, sheeps go, yes. Say yes and try it. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.